0: I don't know where to go from here. exciting episode, another gripping episode of the Music Video Land podcast put on by your friends at filmedinsert.com, aka the Music Video Database. Uh, My name is Adam Fairholm, and I'm coming at you from one of the hottest places in the country this week, Raleigh, North Carolina, and Doug Klinger coming at you from one of the oldest places in the country this week, Boynton Beach, Florida. It varies from week to week, I hear. Do you get what is going on at your husband? You have to mute every time know, I'm no, talking. No,
1: you didn't ask me how I was doing.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. How you doing, Doug? No, wait. No, this is how how it's going. This is episode 47. We're getting close to our um 50th episode anniversary, which is very exciting. It's taken us a long time, and we're gonna have a big party for that. But this is on our way, and we're celebrating. By having some awesome guests on the podcast, and this week is no different. We're talking to director and editor Hank Friedman, who, if you're listening to last week's podcast, I picked his video for uh, L.A. Font Song Sharks as my pick of the week. I love that video. Um, check him out on the site. His videos are really, really fun and interesting. Two of them for L.A. Font, Fine Lines, and Sharks. Two of them for Killola, Cracks in the Armor, and She's a Bitch. But he is also a uh, director, he works uh, at a, uh, sorry, he's also an editor, um, and has edited such videos as one of my personal favorites from last summer, LMFAO's Party Rock Anthem. He's edited a a few videos for Mickey Finnegan, including uh, the CeeLo Green crybaby video. Um, When you're working, especially at a editing house, it's a a really kind of unique experience of... uh, your kind of vantage point on the whole production process. So, really awesome interview coming up in the second half of the show.
1: It will be coming up in the second half of the show. You're right about that. Um, I feel like I, I feel like I held the sneeze in, because I wasn't able to tell people that I was su- doing super good. So I'm sorry. And, about then, that. and then I had to wait for you to talk, say all that great stuff about Hank, and people were just wondering how I was doing. I just they don't think they know and I feel sad about that. But anyway, whatever, let's keep on rolling. Me being sad, and you being cool. So Support That's me. life.
0: Um so I want to talk about something near and dear to me cuz I don't know if you know this Doug, but I'm a huge Olympics fan.
1: Oh, I knew that. I definitely knew that about Watch you. Watch them
0: all. I I like the summer and the winter and uh, you know, I like I like giant worldwide sporting events in general. Uh those are always fun didn't really get plus, into the plus plus your
1: home ta- country of Canada is always mops the floor with people and no that's that's <laughs> well last that's, year, not a, last year, that's not last year it's not a reference either that's not a reference to the sport that they play that seems like they're mopping what's no, that sport Doug, called
0: you, it's called uh, curling and not everybody in Canada knows how to do curling it's sort of a um, not
1: everyone but you do mhm
0: i know a little bit about it well, yeah, after you watched a lot. I mean, so we're talking about the Olympics, last uh, Olympic Games. Uh, winter Games were in Vancouver, before that in Beijing in 2008. And then coming up at the end of the month, we're going to be starting the Olympics in London. And how does this tie into music videos? Well, this week, uh, they the Olympic International Olympic Committee released the official music video for the Olympic Games. And this is kind of a recent phenomenon. Um the, uh, you know, there's always the official this or the official that for the games, um, and you know, this year they picked an official song for the games, uh, and they made an interesting choice. They uh, picked the British band Muse, who I am personally am a fan of. Doug, are you, you're familiar with Muse, right? Oh, I love them. Uh, I saw them live when they opened for U2 in the 360 tour, and they are incredible, um, and I don't know. They're a great band. So and a great London band. So it was really fun and interesting to see them picked as and uh, their song. Um, what is the song called? Damn it. Survival. Survival. Well, if you know Muse, they they they're kind of their forte are these kind of operatic, over the top songs. Um, and uh, you know, within the last you know three or four years, they've really come into popularity. So. They were at a point where, you know, they could pick Muse as the official, you know, to create this official Olympic song. And and people, most people wouldn't be scratching their heads saying, you know, who the hell is Muse? When the song came out, it gathered a lot of, um, how shall we say, uh, shit for being not that great of a song. I'm fine with it. I think it's a a fine song. The lyrics are a little bit... uh, trite but that's what you get when you're doing these types of songs for these big sporting events uh it's interesting that muse is kind of known as a rebellious band and here they are being picked for the official song for the olympics which is pretty much the most nationalistic event you could uh, you could think of but anyway the this other than
1: war of course
0: other than war there's war in the olympics i prefer the olympics war
1: oh i was gonna i say war so they, um, I'm a big sports fan, so...
0: They released, a, they released a music video for Survival, and people were really uh, excited about it. Um, it is basically a sporting montage. Uh, but it was interesting that there is a sort of an official music video for this song, for this large sporting event. And it got me kind of thinking about these other music videos that have been released for these sporting events, because it's a trend we're starting to see. And we're starting to see... Um, You know, I looked back in time a little bit, literally, I didn't do any research, I just went back in time, and uh, back to 2010 for the Winter Olympics, Uh, Vancouver also chose a song and a singer who kind of represented and was the official song for the Olympic Games. Do you remember who this was? Uh, Nope. This was a young woman by the name of Nikki Yanofsky, and the Mm. song was I Believe. Now, this was a massive hit in Canada. It was a number one on the Canadian Hot 100. Um, Didn't really do a lot anywhere else. Um, I was paying pretty close attention to what was happening in the Olympics during that time, and I've never heard of this song. And the music video was pretty much what you'd expect of that. It was a um, kind of a feel-good montage of different, you know, Olympic and Canadian-themed Olympic moments.
1: Are any of these videos ever not? Um, Not just the Olympics themselves, but, like, what about the ones for the World Cup or um, some of these other sporting events? Aren't they always just, um, you know, either either exclusively... sports montages or sports montages and performance.
0: Well, I think the one you mentioned, the one that kind of broke the mold in this case is the Waka Waka this time for Africa song by Shakira for the World Cup, World Cup 2010. Um, you've seen this video, right? This was a this is actually I think it's one of the in the top 20 YouTube viewed of all times. So this is a massive Yeah, it's, music it's knocking video.
1: on it's knocking on 500 million views. Yeah. It's like 20, 20 million away, which sounds like a lot, but when you have 480 million you're they're almost there so if we one, refresh they might have 500 million
0: this one actually has a because for most of These videos they're just montages and you you literally cannot and I've tried I actually um, a few days ago emailed uh, the Press uh, people for the Olympic Committee to find out who made this music video and where it came from for the muse video And I haven't heard back yet but mm, um
1: that's uh, that's weird. I thought that that would be a surefire way.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, that was the only way I could I could try to. I'm still doing research. We'll figure it out. But the before the,
1: we get any further into Waka Waka, let's hear you sing a little bit. No thanks. You can you can go to the site and check
0: out the video. But um, this one was directed by Gerard. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name Piquet. and features. I think that the difference here was that they actually attempted to make a music video by putting the performance in there, and they. Uh, clips, of course, you know, as all these music videos do, have the, you know, uh, kind of play second fiddle to it. The The main theme is Shakira, and of course, this is Shakira music video. There's going to be some sort of dance, and the dance was very recognizable and fun, and it was, it's a really fan, it's one of my favorite music videos. It's a really fantastic music video.
1: It was Vivo certified on July 15,
0: 2010. There you go, the new Vivo certification. What does that mean again? Is that $100 million?
1: I, yeah, I think so. That seems about accurate of when it probably would have reached a hundred million. Um,
0: uh, but so I, I'm, I'm just saying that the the, and if you watch the Muse video, Muse does not appear at all whatsoever. It is, just the normal. Um, although there are some there's some graph interesting graphic work in there and some computer generated graphic work and some titles and things like that, in the official Olympic font. Um, it's basically your straightforward. Uh, montage video
1: so, I love the Olympic font by the way in case it's a, you know, I'm, the, the Olympic font I love it
0: I'm, I'm not gonna have this debate with you I like it I like it for real and you're saying you don't no I'm saying that I love it okay but I think that it's important to look at the success of the World Cup versus the um, pretty much the lack of attention that all these other videos have gotten um, and I think there's a special there needs to be a special dispensation made to say that the music videos, we're only really talking about music videos for when the games or the sporting event has been played in a kind of westernized country. Um, did you know that Beijing actually released a music video and an official song for the 2008 uh, games?
1: Uh, of course I did. Top five. It's on my top five list. It was called You and Me
0: and it uh, kind of goes with the, it was sung in English and in uh, Chinese man I can't remember. there's a few different Chinese languages so I'm not really sure which one it is um, <clears throat> but uh, they made a video for it which is we'll link to it in the show notes. It's a very odd music video uh, let's just say that it's it's kind of purports to promote the idea of peace and unity which apparently was one of the themes of the Olympic Games in 2008. I thought that was just the sort of the de facto theme peace and unity but uh, apparently not. So there's been a real kind of a hit and miss going on with these types of music videos but I think that the people behind them and I think one of the problems is is that you're not really handing over the keys to a young director or somebody who's like really hot in the music video industry right now and the international International Olympic Committee has the name word committee in it for a reason. It's it these are music videos where somebody's looking over your shoulder um, and they're very kind of m- um, marketed and managed in that way. So I guess we shouldn't expect that much, but it's it's a little disappointing to see a lack of creativity there.
1: I think we would have found a lot more creativity. We would have done the topic that I wanted to, which was gymnastics and music videos <laughs> because those videos are, Proven 100% always to be um, fun and exciting and great music videos. So I'm, I'm getting mixed up with ballerinas list. and music videos. They were videos, ready to so. go. But, you know, the boring Olympic ones were cool. We were cool with that topic. Well, these are really high-profile
0: music videos. And I think that London should be definitely commended for choosing Muse. It wasn't sort of Susan Boyle, uh, you know.
1: Well, they definitely didn't, yeah, take the Beijing route. But uh, at, this, at the same time, um, you know, sp- sports clips in a video form is a bit of a phone-in, maybe even a text-in at this point.
0: It could be it's, a possible text-in. And they also have Nastia Lutkin in there, which notably is not going to be at the Games. I guess they, it was too late to take her out or something like that. She's not even going to be in the Olympic Games.
1: I think it's weird that you're saying that. The Chemical Brothers' Electrobank video by Spike Jones is in a prolific video. What do you mean? I mean, you said that exact sentence. I mean, essentially, by saying that the Olympic videos are high-profile, but my topic, gymnastics videos, aren't right. okay, Do you have Spike any Jones, other ones besides Spike Jones that one? That That's what I'm saying. Can you, do
0: you have any other ones besides that one? I'm not talking about ballerinas. I'm talking about gymnastics. No,
1: gymnastics. All right, well, how about this? Gym class heroes, the fighter starring um, John or Zico, who is a current Olympian. How about that one? Did we all forget about that one? I did. Or how about um, the uh, Man on Fire video by- How are you t- finding I, these? What's it called? Man on Fire music video by uh, Edward Sharp. Edward Sharp.
0: That has gymnastics in it? Yeah, maybe. That see, it doesn't count. I'm talking about real gymnastics
2: well, with the I chalk had two really that. good it ones It has to
0: have the chalk. You can't just see now. It's a down a slippery slope because next year will be saying, oh, the uh, Kanye West uh, um, video with the ballerinas and things like that. But no, it's 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 different. Uh,
1: I don't understand how how ballerinas how you're drawing that conclusion. In 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 cheerleading and gymnastics, they are literally doing some of the same same
0: moves. It's not the same thing. I'm talking about the whole right. the go, thing, the go, whole like, pommel horse or whatever by, they do.
1: Go check out The Fighter by Gym Class Heroes and go check out uh, the Chemical Brothers Electrobank and just you know up your knowledge.
0: Well, okay. I, I agree that those links will be in the show notes and we should continue on because by the yeah, end. Yeah, we got to push through now. And the I mean, uh it. by the, in the, by the end of the next month especially any listeners who are in London you guys will all be sick of this muse song it's a catch uh, it's, i don't know it's a half catchy tune people have been lambasting it though which is not uh, too fair you know the you know the moment that i lost muse kind of as a rebellious un, you know band they're on some award show and they're playing uprising very rebellious song and they were on I don't know, hydraulic platforms with lights, the three of them playing the song. And, a you know, kind of an award show with a bunch of people just kind of sitting there in their seats staring at them in suits. Just um kind of ruined it for me. I don't know.
1: Um, there's a Tumblr in Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, Man on Fire. Tumblr's pretty close to gymnastics. So our guest today for the podcast
0: is (laughs) Mr. Hank Friedman. One thing we should mention about Hank Friedman is that he works for Rank and File. And I'm excited to talk to you. You guys will enjoy this interview. We really enjoyed talking to Hank. He makes a really funny video. His videos have a lot of... That's a weird thing to say. They have a lot of humor in them. But it's true. Um, Really enjoyable videos. And he's also a really accomplished editor of music videos. You mentioned at the top of the podcast, he edited one of my favorite for editing uh... music videos LMFAO's party rock anthem as well some other videos from mickey finnegan definitely check out his page on the site which will be linked in the show notes and check out his uh... video credit history which has a lot of his editing credits as well um... listed underneath the director videography make sure you check that out um... and then sit back relax uh, grab a cool beverage and enjoy our interview with mister hank friedman
2: Friedman. I edit stuff and direct stuff and do other stuff, but uh, if you hear heavy breathing, it's probably my dog. Dog and, Mimi? Oh, she, actually, Shep. Mimi's uh, another dog. She, she belongs to the X, but uh, Shep is... Shep Proudfoot is my... My main squeeze, dog wise. What
0: kind of dog is? Because Mimi is the one who's made appearances in your your videos, correct?
2: Yeah, actually. And then Chep is her male counterpart. Kind of looks the same, but just he has uh, longer legs. But from a video standpoint, he could almost play Mimi in close-ups. Hmm. He could be a par replacement, but he's been in the last couple, and she was in the first. And then there was one Pixie. <laughs> so many. <laughs> but there was one pixie before Mimi or Shep were ever found that uh, belonged to a friend, Tara, and uh, <laughs> she was, she was the one that started the whole dog thing. Because
0: well, who was the one who's flying in in
2: one oh. of your videos? Pixie, who's uh, very similar to. There's a lot of white dogs in this town. <laughs> white fluffy dogs that look like Wampas. <laughs>
0: That's LA. It's a white dog kind of town. Yeah. Um, that you, you mentioned you do editing as well as directing and, you know, you edit for a lot of really major artists through, I believe it is, um, sunset edit is, is true. Yeah. And you know, for like LMFAO, um, what, for what? what's that? Uh-huh. I said, what, what? <laughs> and, um, and yeah. uh, and, and Weezer and things like that. So I was wondering if, you know, because we talked to a lot of directors on this show, um, yeah. if you could kind of give us an idea of, as a director as an, and an editor, what the business end of the... What, what kind of life of an editor of music videos is like?
2: It's a lot easier than a, a director, because as a director, you're constantly writing pitches, and while you might you know get a bigger share of the profits from one video, they don't come as often, and you have to hustle a lot more and be a lot uh, more personable. But as an editor, you could... Get used to sitting alone in a dark room, developing a hunchback, and you just get paid, and you don't get all the blame if something doesn't work out. And it, in that way, it's a lot better on the um, on the soul, and uh, causes a lot less heart attacks. When you know, when you finish a job, it's it's less like having a baby and more like.
1: Something and,
2: and you,
1: else, <laughs> and you and you mentioned that you get a a, um, a bigger piece of the of the of the money with as a director. Um, are are the is the compensation in both cases kind of based on the budget of the video, or is there kind of like a industry standard that you expect as an editor of a video?
2: Um, there's sort of an industry standard, um, and then there's also everybody has their own scales. And my scale is, I probably shouldn't say this. Publicly, but it's like if it's an incredible video and I know it's going to go to like the top of my reel, I'll take a huge pay cut just to do it. If it's like something that I would enjoy watching, et cetera, et cetera. But if it's uh, just like a sort of a, I guess, run of the mill video, which probably means more people are going to see it because it's for a more popular band or something, then I'll just I'll have my price and it'll, you know, I could just say no if I don't want to do it.
0: And what does, it like, a video like that? I mean, the LFAM, LMFAO video for Party Rock Anthem, you know, last summer was just, you know, massive video. It really doesn't get that much bigger for right. um, a summer music video. What does that fit in in your spectrum of, of more pop or more something that goes to the top of your reel?
2: Uh, com- it's complicated because it's actually funny, but it is completely pop. It's very close to the stuff that I grew up disliking, except that it's a comedy. So I, like, love – Doing it, and um, you know, it was a big video, but it wasn't. They were, it wasn't as big of um, video, like according to the label and stuff, as like the follow-ups, because that was like the big explosion video.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: it was important, but not like they weren't already the number one guys. That was like the big super breakout video that made them a top-tier act.
0: So while you are editing it, you guys didn't know, you know, wasn't doesn't have this predetermined path of it
2: going so big, right? We had a good feeling about it and we loved it, but we had no idea. I don't uh, think
0: you've edited a few. Uh, you know, um, that was directed by Mickey Finnegan, and then you also edited the um, Cry Baby uh yeah. Lo Green video directed by Mickey Finnegan that also has a similar structure of dancing in the street. So at a, at we, a yeah. we wanted to ask you. It, it, yeah. If, is there special skills involved in editing dance music videos is aside from something that's that's more narrative including you know the ability to dance if that ever plays a factor
2: <laughs> uh there's about a year in my life where I was able to dance and then I started sitting down and dancing with my fingers only um, <laughs> but uh it's just it's musical and it's also kind of like paying attention to the court well you have to be good at it I guess and People have been hiring me for that quality in me, which is funny because I was always like, I would never go to a dance show or anything like that. Not necessarily my cup of tea, but somehow I got good at editing it because I think I would see choreography and kind of ignore it and just make it work if it didn't work. And I'd love cutting it up and making my own beats or that. So, like, if somebody messes up, I love cutting it out, and I love making it work, if it doesn't work. That video is actually pretty smooth and well choreographed, and it's just like making it pop, making the um, camera move. There's a lot of fake zooms in that video, in both of those videos, just to make it more alive, as if like every shot had a specific big camera move to it, rather than just sliding on a dolly or going on a jib. You know, turning every shot into like a Bruckheimer shot when necessary, mm-hmm. rather than a, you know, medium budget music video shot, which, <laughs> uh, you know, just kind of pour Red Bull on it. And how do directors
1: feel about you, you know, doing that with with their shot, or do they embrace it because it 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 works and it and it and it causes a uh, you know an effect that you were looking for, or do they sometimes are like you
2: know stop stop messing with my shot? Sometimes, and I started, after uh, my first handful of videos, I started asking the directors, like, the first thing I would ask them was, hey, are you cool with, like, size changes and stuff to make it, make stuff pop, or are you completely anti that, and usually they are. Only one time have I had a director that was like, whatever I shot, you can't touch it. Um, actually, it's happened twice, but uh, then I always secretly think that those guys should go fuck themselves.
0: <laughs> there's our explicit um, tag yes we got yeah. it
2: and also being an editor is fun because you have to secretly kind of like everything every shot is guilty before proven innocent and i i look at everything like oh they fucked it up and i'm the only one that could save it sometimes <laughs> uh just just to to give myself motivation <laughs>
0: and so. in, that, in that lmfao video is there any specific, specific shot because it's i mean it's You know, like you said, it's a big video, but it's a medium budget video. It happens in like a very enclosed space. Is there anything in that video that you, you know, consider yourself that you that you saved from the production shooting?
2: Not saved because it was already cool. It's just that like there was a storyline and the video, and it didn't quite need to intersect like that. And Mickey Finnegan is like smart and knew what to do, but it was in my hands first, and he just said go for it and figure it out, uh, which is always good because. I got a chance to like tell the story. And I think the opening bit with all like the acting and stuff, we hardly touched that after I cut it. And it was more like story based. Um, And I guess I didn't save it necessarily because it was going to be good anyways. But I got it sort of right in his eyes Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and added, you know, the right sound effects and kind of made it seem like a big budget thing. So. You know, yeah, because it is funny the the sound effects in the beginning of
0: that because they're very obviously like in a room with like two like posters of like <laughs> skeletons on the top with yeah. like you know like things taped to their arms and stuff like that. Um, but sound you don't you don't really notice it with the you know a few flares and kind of sound effects and
2: editing there. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but you know, and then like the whole end with like Jesus dancing around and stuff like that. That was all. Those were all jokes that could have fallen flat, but they kind of come at the right time or all the dancing is loose at the end. And it's just about finding the funny bits, mm-hmm. uh, you know, work. And
0: <laughs> work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that we also wanted to talk about your videos that you've directed because oh. these are really, really entertaining videos. We really love the stuff that you're doing, you know, with uh, LA font and, um, Kelola. Is that how you pronounce Kalola? I never. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a few ways, a few ways to do it that I could screw it up. Um, but one of the ones I really want to ask you about was the LA font sharks video. Um, cause it's such a great entertaining video and it has one of my favorite images that I've seen in a while. It's this, the band playing to a, um, uh, what do you call it? A f- fast food, um speaker <laughs> where you go and uh, take your order uh yeah. wh- where did the whole
2: concept for this this come from uh the band wanted another video and they're part of like a tiny label that might be a self-funded label and they just wanted to do like a freebie and i uh, kind of thought what can we do for free that has production value that um that feels like a big video. And I was I thought like we could go to McDonald's and sort of use that as the production design. Cause they have all these brand brand their brand is everywhere. And um like we could just replace the McDonald's logo with the band's logo and shoot whatever.
0: Uh which is funny kid. yeah, because a lot of times you're using like that that obnoxious you know fry giant fry thing tr- truck that is traveling around the country right now hmm. um and using all their their colors and things like that logistically because you're you know just kind of hanging around at mcdonald's for i would assume you know half a day or, or a full day yeah. how did you guys yeah. pull that out Were the people who are working the drive-through um uh, okay with you guys hanging out
2: yeah, I mean, originally the concept would be, like, we'd play in areas until we get kicked out, and then we'd go to the next McDonald's and start where we left off and kind of have it go like that, but nobody was kicking us out until, like, halfway... They'd always, like, sick like, a secret security guard on us to just stare at us until we took, like, four takes. <laughs> um, even when, like, we were playing inside, we'd just do, like, one or two takes, but... um we got away scot-free until we started doing stop-motion with hamburgers inside of McDonald's. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the manager came and said, I know what you're doing, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, we're just uh, finishing up, and I pressed record on the camera and picked up the burgers one at a time so that I could go in and animate them later, and she was like, I can see you're still doing it. <laughs> uh, got the shots, but... That's um, all that counts. Yeah, yeah, and it was the cheapest video I'd ever done, so. Which is acropos, since it's at McDonald's. Yeah, it was, they got the video on the dollar (laughs) meat meal, and uh, it was, you know, just as tasty as a fancy, fancy $10,000 hamburger. When you're directing a video, you know, knowing that you're going to be going in
1: and, and being the one to edit it later, do you kind of leave yourself kind of a blank a blank slate so that you have the freedom to kind of do those same kind of post,
2: post-production post techniques that you used to success Never. in the other videos? <laughs> Never except for that video. Um, I'm pretty... I go storyboard the important parts and stuff like that. Because, um, I mean, even though I'm an editor and I love, like, finding stories and things, I just grew up liking, I don't know, Hitchcock or... Kubrick or whoever, and it all seems so deliberate. And I'm a bigger fan of watching deliberate things than um, accidental mishmash stuff. It's kind of two different uh, mindsets when I'm editing somebody else's stuff or directing. Like, it's it's fun that um, directors often see what the whole thing should be, but when they're editing their own stuff, they're not too good at, like, seeing the forest for the trees. Is that the – whatever, seeing the little details and making those flow right? Mm-hmm. They get like the good big picture idea in, but not the little details. And so I love the little details and making like two shots work next to each other musically. but um
0: well, it seems but, like in
2: your in your videos,
0: there is a point where you know maybe you know you have a, a concept and then it seems just like like a complete not a complete left turn, but there's some new twist to kind of keep that, that interest in like, so in the, for instance, in the sharks video, you have this kind of mutiny by the band member and they do a, you know, hamburger firing line, which is not something you'd maybe expect in the, you know, in the beginning, kind of sizing up the concept. Does that come from that editing sensibility? Do you think?
2: Uh, Just comedy sketches and stuff. And, and also with their videos, I mean I've only done two but if we do more we'll always kill the um we have to find a way to kill the drummer. So <laughs> well he is significantly smaller than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, um but he's got more muscles than all of them combined.
0: <laughs> they're very because- good at um they're probably the best pro like walkers toward the camera that I've seen. <laughs> and and pantomimers. They're like you have uh-huh. you have a good client in in them cuz they they really know what they're doing in that department.
2: They needed some coaching. I mean they're good. <laughs> They good at playing when they when they were pantomiming in their other video. Uh, they needed constant reminder reminders to keep uh, moving. So yeah, now yeah. you are
0: you know one of the mediums, I guess you could call that. You you work in for the videos you directed have been this. I don't know whether to call it stop motion or in some cases puppetry. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first video you did, I believe it's the first one for Le- uh, Liron, uh mm-hmm. care for some whiskey, um, was in was in that style, and it's really well done puppetry. From you know, you also did the one cracks cracks in the armor by Kalola. Um, I was wondering where that um, that comes from, because it, it definitely has you know elements of like Fraggle Rock and like Meet the Feebles and those kind of things from from the eighties. Is that your inspiration for that?
2: For sure. I mean, with the one of the the Kalola one with puppet that was inspired by Meet the Feebles, which, you know, I like Peter Jackson a lot, and I like that movie, but it was always, like, a little, like, ugly and dark. Mm-hmm. For me, like, it just wasn't as well thought through as any of his other things, so um, I thought I could do better. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, but uh, I just knew that I could do it. And I know um, Greg Jardin was talking about how, like, his uh, Jelly Bean video took, like, two years or however long to make. Something yeah. like that, yeah, two years-ish. Because um, that uh, one with puppets was like a year, but I was a full-time assistant editor at the time, and um, uh, I could just relate to him. So it was exciting.
0: A year, wow. There's That's that cause all Because all those puppets, are those
2: custom-made for the video, the fish puppets? Yeah. Oh, oh, and then the fish one for the Klola one, those are custom-made by uh, Ethan Feldbau, who's a... Talented production designer and also director and stuff, and uh, he did those. But for the Lerone video, I did it all myself while watching movies.
0: The story, the what video?
2: Oh, the Lerone, uh the care for some whiskey oh, video. Care for some like, whiskey. Okay. That was like my first music video.
0: And so that and that was all just just you.
2: Yeah. Oh wow. I mean, uh, that was uh, that Larkin Siple guy, the great. DP, he uh, he shot that, um, but that was like four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he shot the uh, live-action stuff, but that was me with the camera shooting the, mini- shooting the miniatures and the puppets and, you know.
1: Nice. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about that's, that's on your website is The Vault. And we uh, often ask uh, directors about older work and and whether or not they still kind of embrace their their older stuff and it seems that a lot of the stuff that's in the vault save those two happy birthday videos um, are compiled of your older stuff and I just I just wondered do you do you still have like do you look back on that stuff fondly still and and, and embrace it or is it in that vault like literally
2: I mean that's like the one percent of stuff that I've done and that's the stuff that I like and found myself like showing people for fun but there's a there's a ton more than that. I don't know. I've been making shit since I was a kid, just like anybody. So, uh, but I'm I'm proud of it, and I want to show people, but I don't want them like it can't go on my reel per se. So, because it's you know <laughs> shot on a handy cam or whatever. They
0: people frown upon handy cam footage in your reel.
2: Oh, they fucking hate it.
0: <laughs> um, and in terms of you know, you've you've done you know obviously have had a lot of success in editing and success in directing. Thank I you. mean, in in terms of the path that you would would go down, is there one you would choose over the other in terms of working in you know into the future?
2: Well, I think uh, like editing has gotten me um, farther or further, depending on if you know grammar or not. <laughs> I forget which one it is, but anyways, um, like um, I don't know. I just finished an edit of, like, a short film that I directed, Um, and that's, like, the real, like, important thing. But I get little squirts of dopamine from editing, so I'll never stop doing that. But I get, like, buttloads of dopamine from directing. So I think I'd rather be directing everything, but um, I also don't mind editing. It's kind of like... Uh, when I was in middle school, the clarinet section had a lot of competition in my orchestra, so I started playing the bass clarinet and I started kicking ass at that and got into like better groups and stuff. So I learned like sometimes you have to kind of downshift your gears to to get ahead so what kind of
0: what kind of middle school did you go to? Oh like a Public one <laughs> that had more than one clarinet player. I'd like to go oh, yeah. to oh. middle school.
1: <laughs> what kind of middle school did you go to? <laughs> one with zero. It was like the, it, was, it was the most abrasive, like, <laughs> thing I've, ever, I've ever heard on this whole podcast.
0: I didn't but, mean to. I didn't mean it to come off like that. I was just saying. Is that, this a fight? You no. Know,
1: yeah, it It definitely a... sounded like you. You were. Like so angry. <laughs>
0: Every podcast we just cut out the just angry end to it, where we where we swear at each other and uh, <laughs> and, and leave. Um. <laughs> no, it was a pretty it was a pretty musical middle school, I should say. And in terms of you know like the the stuff you're directing narrative wise, um, mm-hmm. one of the sh- the shorts that you have on your site, um, and I, I need to bring it up because it has an odd name is the old money boys and teaching lessons which is oh, yeah. probably one of the funniest shorts i've seen it in a long time Are, do you see On yourself way. doing a comedy in in terms of narrative shorts and and features and things like that in the future yeah i mean
2: like in so in college before i ever touched a music video or cared about it i was doing a lot of comedy stuff and i directed like or i was in this group fireside chats that we at UCLA and we did like In my senior year, we did about, we did like an episode every two weeks during the school year, like a half-hour episode of comedy, and I was usually the writer and director of at least like a quarter or half the stuff, depending on the week, and um, it was just the most exciting stuff, and these Old Money Boys, uh, it's the same group, and they're all busy making sketches every two weeks now, but... um, I'm too busy, but uh, it's way fun. Completely. It does look fun, um, yeah.
0: especially filming two men spooning each other in bed. Um, it, was, it was a very realistic scene. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. uh, I, had, I had squish sounds, but they, they made me take them out. <laughs> um, but... Also, that's not spooning. It's not what <laughs> yeah, I call yeah, that's <laughs> the
0: opposite of spooning. I'm sorry. Oh. I, got, I got my terms wrong um it's heavy. how long how long have you been an, an editor officially for music
2: videos uh like the week i graduated from college i started working at an editing house the gardeners outside guys oh They're... nice oh man <laughs> oh man um, but uh i think i got on a roster two and a half years ago at sunset edit uh, but before, like, I think the first thing I got paid for was in college, but, uh, then I became like a runner and an assistant and worked my way up as an editor, always directing on the side and stuff like that. So and
0: in terms of, you know, an editor has kind of a interesting position of, you know, you kind of, like you said, in a darkened room, you kind of get things coming, coming back to you. It's more like a, I guess an office setting than would be like. You know director or somebody on the set you know from right. that perspective over the past you know like two two and a half three years have mm-hmm. you seen any kind of shifts
2: or changes in the music video
0: industry from that perspective
2: um no it's it stayed pretty consistent like budget wise in the past however many years because i became an editor like right after the recession was not taking such a big hit mm-hmm. on everything and like there was suddenly plenty of jobs and I saw it more as like working my way up to bigger and bigger projects and um, you know p- getting people to vouch for me for bigger and bigger projects but then always hearing stories from the guys that are like 10 years older than me at the company talking about how they used to make like $8,000 in a week or whatever <laughs> and um, <laughs> like an M&M video or something like uh, and that just Always makes me a little, a little sad. Like there's nowhere to go but down from there. But, um, but personally, it's been uh, pretty good. And it's also hard to tell because, like, um, it all depends on kind of how good your company is at pulling in jobs. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is just for me, but sometimes it's you know. Uh, over at sunset just pulling in tons of jobs and doing a great job at that so um yeah it's a pretty consistent and sunset edit is
0: they because they do i mean you look at their you know the stuff they have on the homepage is some of the top videos that have been done over the past past few years they obviously do a good job kind of pulling in pulling in jobs what is for like an editing house like that Um, for somebody who's not familiar with the way that, you know, editing works and how you guys kind of pull together in these houses, how does that, how does that work and how does like a good editing house get those jobs?
2: Um, just, it, it usually takes a good executive producer to just, I guess, be on iChat or whatever with, um, all these commissioners all the time or directors or production companies and just constantly say, come on over. Mm -hmm. When are we going to work together? Let's do something. I can do it for a little cheaper. Um, and, then also lately they've been getting more and more commercial jobs and I've been reaping the benefits I have from that. And those are, um, a little nicer because clients like to leave at six o'clock <laughs> at <laughs> night. But, um, um, uh, but like it's, it's a lot up to the people that run the place, but also it's a little bit up to me. I pull on some jobs myself there or, you know. Sometimes I do stuff on the side, but I try not to because it's not as pleasant to work from home or whatever. It's so much nicer to have a nice air-conditioned place. And there's there's actually plenty of editors that work from home, and they do fine with it. I just I like to focus on the creative part and let other people focus on chasing people down for bills and stuff.
0: And, yeah, because, I mean, those suites have a nice couch for clients to sit there and bother you for hours on end. Um, yeah. And you know, demand to see things over and over, things like that,
2: yeah, yeah, nice couch, nice speakers,, um, and a mini if- fridge, perhaps. oh, yeah, we don't have those in the Edape, but that helps get them out of the room sometimes. and then, like, uh, you know, the receptionist or whoever coming in and getting them drinks and food, that stuff is beautiful, and it's always hard to work from home because I have to make my own damn coffee. <laughs> but uh but that's fine, you know? I guess there are things like Darfur that make it all better. Just to think about.
0: If you're in Darfur I, you're editing from
2: home. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I doubt they have a place like Sunset Edit there. And
0: is it is it mainly is it the director who's kind of camping out in your office when you're an editor for a video?
2: Yeah, usually. Uh sometimes the director and the producer sometimes, you know. Dr. Dre or something will pop in. Yeah, is but.
0: it ever the is it ever the artist who kind of has a role in the editing process?
2: Uh recently Santi Gold got involved. Uh some they sometimes they like pop in, but um I know like whenever what's the name, Mariah Carey works with other people, she sits in on that and has bottles of wine or whatever, but um uh more often than not it's just the you know editor or the director and maybe the producer working on stuff unlike commercials where often like that stuff's pulled away from the director the director right. only gets first cut and then it's the agency and the creative directors that all pop in and out dealing with it
0: yeah it's, it's something that we wondered about in terms of music videos is who gets final cut on a project which I, you know you'd obviously be dealing direct, direct with is that something that is like, a, okay, does this have project, Does do we have final cut on this, or does the artist have final cut on this? Is that ever something that comes up?
2: Oh, yeah. it's. I mean, it usually goes from the director to the label, and the label has notes, and then the artist sees it last and has more notes, or the label pretends like the artist saw it and says all these notes, and the artist finally sees it and reverts back to what the editor wanted in the first place. or um, it's It really varies, but a uh, director usually doesn't have, final cut, but they have a say in a ton of it. And if things go wrong is probably like a third of the time there's a director's cut that's just slightly different. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they just want a version without a close up of a cell phone. (laughs) Uh which is the best situation and sometimes it's like a complete re edit, which is hard and it just means that you have to sneak a couple more shots to the colorist to do and to grade and like you know it's a little more work but um excite you know then then it's that's the version that usually goes on the editor's reel too Just, Doug, Doug yeah. and
0: I have very limited experience of a, a while ago um editing you know projects for somebody who kind of you know is looking over our shoulder at things and mm-hmm. you know on you know the, what we were working on the kind of annoying thing was somebody saying, you know, like i i wish that shot came in like two f- like four frames, you know, sooner. Is that, you know, when you're working on like a, you know, a major video, is that something that editors still have to de- deal with? Oh my
2: god, yeah, of course. And it's like a sliding scale. Some people like uh I could list names like uh if Lex Halaby or Josh Forbes or people like that say it or like mickey or um whatever i'm not gonna list everybody but like if they (laughs) say it i believe them and i believe they know what they're talking about but uh, there's some people who say that kind of stuff and i just like groan or like there's like a threshold of real like just going with whatever they say or um fighting whatever they say (laughs) depending on like if they have a history of being right or wrong in the Oedipa. And sometimes you just turn into an operator and do exactly what people say just because there's, you know, after 10 punches, you give up the fight and let them control you. Um, but, yeah, it's varied. Sometimes I love letting them take the controls while you go on a bathroom break because they know what they're doing. Um, sometimes they... Sit next to me and like try to reach for my keyboard, and I tell them to leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> and not, in terms of controls, I mean,
0: what are you what are you editing on?
2: Oh, just uh, I know. Well, I usually edit on Final Cut still. So okay, um, but, but when you oh, go ahead. Um, but there are other tricks. Like in these edit bays there's big monitors. And there's, like, a side monitor where they could, like, roll their chair up to and, like, an overhead monitor. And I usually turn off the side monitor and remove the extra chair from the room so that they don't sit next to me and breathe down my neck. <laughs> Instead of just sitting on the couch watching the big monitor and working on their iPad or whatever. So that's a trick.
1: And when, and when you say take the controls, you mean, like, literally, like, you get up and they sit down for you. Not, like, just let them tell you what to what to do, but you let them physically actually start manipulating footage around.
2: Yeah, I make a new sequence. Sometimes I do that just to prove that like it takes them too long to figure something out, and I can do it in a second.
1: I think we're in a pretty great place. That was a great interview.
0: We are in a great place. It's important to be in a good place mentally. Less important physically, but, you know, people know i I'm
1: talking about. I don't think I'll ever be in a good place physically. That's, that's the filmed insert, music video land promise, and a positive. <laughs>
0: been- we'll always be both in poor health. That's our promise to you.
1: Poor health and physical appearance.
0: I haven't even seen myself today, and I went to the grocery store.
1: So you're not you're not polo head to toe when you go to the grocery store.
0: Mm-mm. I never. I don't even own anything. It's polo.
1: I believe that. Where do you uh, buy
0: polo anymore? You see, that's the thing. When we were kids, when we were kids, brands were so important. You'd go and, you know, but now, now you go to the Macy's and you. They, how do you even know what section you're in? I know. I always know I'm in Tommy Bahama, but I, I, mean, I other than that, I don't really know where I am. It's all just shirts and pants and stuff.
1: I I'm a I wear I wear shirts and pants. <laughs> I that, that's true. I don't know. How to, uh that's uh I wear shirts and pants and I also wear my shirts say picks of the week, which is I make them with markers.
0: Oh uh, man, that's good. who wants to go first picks
1: of the week? Uh I'll go first cuz I have a uh I have an excellent pick of the week. Um All
0: right, I will put myself on mute. See you in a few minutes. <laughs> All right, see you. Bye. All right, bye. Uh, bye. <laughs> All right, I'm um, going now. I, hold, yeah, you I go want to ahead. do a bite when I'm, when I'm talking. All right, see you later.
1: <laughs> okay, that was... I, I, cool, it's, I get that. Uh, my Pick of the Week is by a band called the Chemical Brothers, and the song is called Electro Bank, um, and the director is Spike Jones. Um If you haven't seen this video, you, you've probably never seen music videos before in your life, or... Uh, just are not a big fan of Spike Jones. Maybe you hate him. These are the only possible reasons you could or couldn't have seen this video. I mean, if you're listening to the, this podcast, or especially our host of this podcast, this is the video that you should have seen. Um, so anyway, my pick of the week, ElectroBank by the Chemical Brothers, directed by Spike Jones. Adam?
0: You're back already? Jesus, that was short.
1: Yeah, it was a quick pick of the week. It was, uh, I mean, because I just assumed everyone's seen this video, so why describe it?
0: This is important. I think the number one, we have, I have like a laminated list of things not to, of like things not to do on a podcast about music videos. Number one, describe a music video. I think we, uh, we both think learned that one the this, hard uh, way.
1: We've now done this a hundred times
0: <laughs> on our show. <laughs> okay, here's my pick of the week. But before my pick of the week, I want to give you a little bit of context. And that is this article I came across today, amazing article, and I want to read you just an excerpt from this. Um, French Montana is backed by Rick Ross, Drake, and Lil Wayne for his first single Pop That, which video has just been out. It shows the four rappers hanging out by the pool, surrounded by a lot of ladies clad in skimpy bikinis. The women dance around and have water gun fights, and the men party up while drinking and gambling. While all this is happening, the host looks straight at the camera, spitting out their verses. Each rapper gets a turn at boasting and bragging about how much money they have, expensive items that they own, and how many women they can get. The most surprising part of the video, perhaps, is Wheezy suddenly sliding in on a skateboard. End quote. Uh, this article comes to us from aceshowbiz.com. not <clears throat> has no byline, unsurprisingly. Because... <laughs> I don't know who what poor soul somewhere in a blogging factory had to write this article about this music video, but um found it very entertaining.
1: Whatever that poor soul was must have not only never seen a rap video before, <laughs> but must have never heard rap music before. Cause that was literally just a just a blatant like it's just like, such an innocent like description, description of a of what a rap song <laughs> any rap song is.
0: So anyway, you probably have gathered by now my my pick of the week is Pop That by French Montana free, f- featuring Rick Ross, Drake, and Lil Wayne. And you know, when I first watched this video, I thought, "Jesus Christ, not another one of these by the pool videos." I'm so sick of these rap videos that are by the pool. Um this one is this one is good though. It's directed by Paris, two R's. Um, he's a music video director. One of those music video directors that gets to have his his uh, one word is his name. It doesn't happen a lot. Um,
1: but it, we, we have the list of videos that he's made. It's pretty
0: You can do that. You can. You just click on the link on the thing. But um, it, it features obviously French Montana. who I've never heard before. But and then Drake, Lil Wayne, and Rick Ross. Um, and there's just a whole, especially with Lil Wayne and Drake, there is a, a kind of they're kind of creating a, a history and a tradition of these types of videos where they obviously it's one of those things where they obviously had a day, and they got by the pool and they had a party, and this expensive looking house, and then by the end of the video it's dark. You ever see one of these types of videos where it's very obviously that they just spent a day, um, but. It, you know, the, in any genre, there has to be the kind of uh, gold standard of, of how this is done. And I thought this was really well done, um, even if it did kind of piss me off that they just kind of went ahead and did this. It's not like the the higher video where they did it at a bar mitzvah that they're kind of taken their... It also had Drake and Lorraine, not Rick Ross, I don't believe. They took a, a little bit of a twist on their party thing and went into a... Uh, Bar mitzvah I believe but this is just straight pool party and I got why am I picking this video this is a piece of shit It's just them by a pool Rapping there's nothing special about it. Why am I doing this? Because <laughs> I, I wanted to read that article because I every, all day of the laughing at that article and I just wanted to read it and I'm trying to tell people this is a this is like a good example of the music is a gold video. I'm just standard lying.
1: Check out this video because I wanted to read that article
0: <laughs> I'm, a, a, I'm great, a liar. It's a great video great
1: great great pick of the week uh, Adam. Uh, uh, um, no, hold on. My pick of the week I, is. I love. I
2: love when you haven't heard a rapper since you say like it's their fault.
0: <laughs> um, my pick of week so the week is "Song best? of the Cabin Boy" by William Kennedy Dixon. <laughs> Look for it in the show notes. is indescribable. Did Doug just put himself on mute again?
1: Of course, I did. I'm not gonna laugh like an asshole. this is this is a professional podcast. this is a, this is a money making tool. Well,
0: another podcast, another another large sum of money deposited in our bank accounts. Uh, and, like a, a, and another
1: hour of your time
0: wasted. <laughs> exactly. You'll never get, get that because... back. You never get that back. My name is Adam Farrell. This is Doug Klinger with me. Uh, If you want to connect with us on a personal level, you can follow our personal Twitters. Google those. But if you want to connect with Filmed Insert, um, it's all just Filmed Insert. Twitter.com slash Filmed Insert. Facebook.com slash Filmed Insert. Adult Film Database. Pretty much anything.com slash Filmed Insert. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Just try every URL you know slash Filmed (laughs) Insert. J-Date. We're on there, yeah. I'm not going to overlook J-Date. So no, that's a uh, great audience. And if you're listening to this, definitely go and uh, I don't care if it's a bad review. You can be honest. Go and rate us and, and write a review on iTunes because we're at that we're at that point where we've 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 done close to 50 podcasts. We've had all sorts of really great legit directors and stuff like that on our podcast. And then you go search for it on iTunes, and it's like obviously Doug and his girlfriend and his bud have written, um, and it's like. Doug Cling. I glowing, love this but podcast. But they're glowing reviews. They're glowing reviews. Yeah, well, three glowing for Doug's reviews. Girlfriend. Now
1: listen, we have five. We have five ratings. So although, although we haven't gotten reviews from anyone but Steve, my girlfriend, and me, um, we have gotten a couple of five stars from some other classy people out there. So thanks, whoever you two other people are.
0: If you rated it and you didn't and you didn't write a full review and you just did the star thing, you're a lazy asshole.
1: on the topic. I haven't even seen the video and I haven't really even heard of that band. I don't really know who they were. I was just pretending.